It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And um, we're going to let you hear from Sam Howell in a second on Eric Bieniemy. but I just, there are some days, Anthony, we get in here and I just wonder, are we a professional radio station? Are we a professional outfit or do we work in a bleeping zoo? Uh, could it be all three? I mean, I maybe. I was joking. Welcome to Monkey Poop Throw Radio. Because <laughs> that's what it smells like in here. Oh, man. Did you come in here at all? I did not, and I don't think I want to either. I don't know what was in Chris Russell's salad, but it <laughs> smells like farts and old fish. Oh. That's tough. And you got to sit through that. I don't know hours. how Linnell did the show. Because immediately, like, Linnell was like, it's him, it's the salad. And Chris is like, I had a salad. And I'm just like, what was in that salad that this studio smells like this? I have sprayed, where is it? Where'd it go? I have sprayed the Home Bright Disinfected Spray, <laughs> Country Scent, whatever the that is. It kills flu virus, and it allegedly eliminates odors. How many times have I sprayed this? Uh, Maybe, I don't think you've ever, oh, you're talking about today? Today, oh. in the last five minutes. Yeah you've, yeah, you've sprayed. I did at least two rounds. Two and a half. Might as well get a third. Oh, my. I also think part of the problem is whatever country scent is doesn't smell very good, because now it smells like old fish farts and country scent. Oh, do you think Which these- is like eliminating the odor, odor, but not before it leaves its own odor. Yeah. The, I mean, you're gonna suffer over there, man. I thought about do- the problem is like all my the computers right here and the camera and and all the things that we have for the YouTube stream. So I can't just like pop a mic on and sit over there. I mean, shoot, maybe I should just come in there. Here? Just, yeah, just do the show do, at least the first segment. Let this let this joint air out. Oh, you gotta open that door. I should. Should I just open it right now? Yeah, I think you should. All right, hold on. Yeah. Wow. I feel for Craig, man. I don't have to necessarily worry about that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to roll with the punches. And here comes Craig. I don't know if that's good for the soundproofing. Ah, and apparently there's static electricity in my headphones. That's great. Just let that air out. Just. There you go. Awful. Terrible. No good. And then, to top it all off, one day, Linnell will learn how to clean up, clean up after himself. Oh, what did he leave? He just, I don't know how hard it is to put the computer back where it belongs. Ah. And I get, he gets to use it for the show. I, mean, I don't begrudge the man for, for using the resources available in the studio. But, like, we got a short changeover. Help your boy out. Yeah. Slide the, slide, uh, le ordinateur back around. That was my French. I was a little lost, but I'm fine. A little now. easier in Spanish. I think yeah. it's just la computadora. Yep. You know um, it. I do. I still know more Spanish than French, which is a problem because I've been learning French for like a year on Duolingo, one lesson at a time, because I'm just doing enough to keep my street going and not enough to actually learn French. <laughs> oui. Le ordinateur. Oui. There you go. Um, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, 
I, I got registered for a PT class for my hip flexor. But outside yep. of that, I think I'm I'm doing pretty good. Did you hurt your hip flexor playing football, playing flag? So, yeah, because I was running, I guess. Yeah, that hip flexors are involved in running. It is. I do play a physical brand of flag football, but it didn't come from a hit. It was more so, I think, the fact I don't run a lot during the week and then me going out there and, you know, running 1,000 miles per hour. Yeah, there's I, a reason they practice, Anthony. Yeah. We do you do any running during the week? Not really. Yeah, you should probably, like, do that. Yeah, that's – that. so – after you I know, think we I, might have found the problem. I don't know yeah. if you're going to go to this PT. I mean, you should go to the PT to get it better, but like. Yeah. But after I go to PT. They don't call us training with will. the best for nothing over here. That's our, that's that's, our brand. That's, oh, our, that's, that's the, yeah. the name of the podcast. Yeah. 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 The, do you guys travel? Uh, I mean, <laughs> what are you looking for? Uh, more, I more so just need an accountability partner. Like, so I don't when you text me in the morning to talk about the show, I just go, hey, go run some sprints. Do a little lateral shuffling in. See, that doesn't usually work. It's more so like I need someone to work out with me. I mm. used to have a workout partner, but he got hurt. He hurt his Achilles. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, he's been out since July. So since July, I really haven't. Would you come down to D.C. and take my uh, our hell classes that Rachel and I take? So the thing is, I was supposed to do one of these classes. Never really got around. Whoa. Are we done with the segment? Did somebody? You just pulled the fader down, Anthony. Somebody fired it. You didn't touch the board? Nah, I manually have to press this button right here. I know for a fact I didn't press any button. I, I mean, we're all in video right now. We can go back to the tape. You sure you didn't catch it with like a stray forearm or something? No, because even if I would have done that, I would have been all the way over here. I, I, I didn't do anything. We're watch the tape if you want. I didn't I press think a we're button. Gonna have to, we're gonna have to go back and check. <laughs> I'm very confused as to why you didn't just pull down the fader when it started. Yeah, I didn't know where it's coming from to be honest. And uh, then that's I look fair. Up. Yeah, that's fair. I know. I saw it move. By the way, Vic color coded this thing for me over here last week when he was in. Oh, so now my uh, my stack. So like I have a screen. Whoa, who's who is firing commercials? Who's playing with the radio station? What's going on here? I don't know. I need to figure that out. We do. Um, all right, you uh, you figure that out, and you give me an old thumbs up when uh, when when I can safely go to commercial break as scheduled. Just the whole show is just a. <laughs> so far, uh, we are going to get it on track. I promise, and we will obviously talk. About DC sports. Uh, so what we're what we're gonna do for the rest of the show is Ron Rivera is going to talk at four thirty. Uh, he is gonna answer questions about the defense, about Sam Howell, about all the things we don't know. I guess any other thing could come up. Uh, it's live at four thirty. We'll bring it to you then. Uh, our boy Clinton Yates will join us coming up at uh, four forty five. Following Rivera. Uh, five o'clock, take command, tape review. Uh, essentially, the basics of why Jack Del Rio is no longer here uh, from the Dallas game and kind of some season long thoughts. Never read the comments, 5 30. Uh, ben Standing is going to join the show at six o'clock. Uh, Dave Johnson, 6 15. And then we hand things off to Dave and Glenn at 6 45. So, 6 30 is real things. Wizards are in Orlando tonight. So, that is the plan. Anthony, are we safe over there? Can we safely, correctly, 
with confidence toss to a commercial break? Yeah, we can toss to one. Okay, that's good. Uh, when we get back, uh, Sam Howell spoke about his communication with Eric Bieniemy, and it it gave me a thought. I will share that thought with you after this properly pressed commercial break. All right, Ron Rivera speaking live in Ashburn. We take you there now. That we're doing, um, you know, give you guys the best opportunity to be successful. And I uh, just wanted to hear from them as well. I had an opportunity to talk with several of them about it. Uh, they were all very good about that today, uh, this morning. And then I thought uh, going out in, in the morning meeting and then going out on the practice field, uh, I think things went well. How different has it been for you um, you know, it's obviously the, 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 the time, you know, I used to spend looking at some of the offensive stuff I really haven't done. Um, I haven't had time to be, to be quite honest, um, to do any of that. So just, you know, being focused with, with the defensive guys, um, it's been great too, because, um, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of given different responsibilities to the, to the defensive coaches. Uh, I think they've handled those things very well. You know, guys are, you know, when, when I come in and, you know, the things that they're, they're presenting, um, you know, the, the preparation for, for, for each of those meetings has been really good by those guys. And uh, just kind of like, you know, the, 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 the flow of it, the rhythm has been really good. So that's been good. Um, and I thought, again, I thought the players handled today uh, very well. I'm curious about the mechanics on Sunday in terms of the headset. Do you, is that just like getting back on a bicycle or do you sort of run through anything this week to get used to it again, talk to Cody? We'll get used to it, um, you know, but, but one of the things that, you know, that um, we're going to do more so than anything else is, um, you know, we'll just, we'll just continue to try and keep things as normal as possible on the sidelines and just, you know, make sure the communications are there. Um, you know, one of the things that we will do is we'll communicate and we'll talk and, and we'll, we'll, you know, always give ourselves the opportunity to, to get together and, and discuss as, as we get into each, uh, each, each series. Um, a little something that, you know, I used to do when I was in, in uh, and uh, with the Chargers and then with uh, Chicago. And, you know, that's, a, that's something that you do is kind of communicate what's the anticipation, you know, this is what we've shown, what are we expecting, you know, those types of things. As the head coach, you already have voices telling you various things, uh, including like replays, things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that even mean more people are in your head? Like how many people will sort of be in the headset for you uh, on game day? Well, I mean, it's no different because, I mean, when I'm when – I'm, when I was listening in on the offensive side and, and, and hearing those things um, and then listening to the people upstairs about challenges and all that kind of stuff as well, uh, it won't be that much different. It really won't. Um, I think the biggest thing more than anything else is, you know, just the communications that I'll have. I'll have a few more things to say, you know, between plays. In terms of wins and losses right now, going through some adversity, what is the challenge of keeping everybody engaged from the players to the coaches? I don't think it's much of a challenge. It's, it's all about, to me, it's about playing them one at a time and playing them with a little bit of pride. I mean, we're, we're still playing for something. So we might as well go out and, you know, play them one at a time and, and, and play them the best we can. And that's, that's what we plan to do. You know, we'll show up, we'll play hard, and uh, we'll give great effort. Defensively looking at Miami, is it kind of picking your poison of targeting, stopping the run versus pass first? Well, I mean, you, you target what they do. And then you go from there. I mean, the way we're going to look at it, obviously, is, you know, this is a very diverse offense, very well coached. Uh, they play fast. They've, they've got good skilled players. And, uh, you know, we've got to be able to handle certain things that they do, um, you know, and play, play it to the best of our ability. And Mike McDaniel this week.
saying that he sent you a letter um, when he was looking for a GA job. You're nodding. What do you remember about that, and sort of what did it say? Well, I remember replying, um, and then he reminded me of it uh, last year when, when uh, I was at one of the uh, committee meetings and we had a great conversation. Um, he's very bright, very sharp young man. He really is. Um, I mean, you know, when 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 people do things like that, you know, they take the initiative. It goes back to that old saying that I was told back in the day when I wanted to get into coaching, and that is, they're not going to send the limo, so go get the job. And that was my mentality. And when I was very impressed with that, and that's why I I, I responded. You know. He took the time, and, and the least I could do was take the time to, to respond to him. And, you know, and, and it's kind of proven it because, I mean, he's turned into a heck of a football coach. He really has. And he's done a great job. Ron, over the last few days, what have you heard from the players on the defensive side, especially about their ideas about how this thing can be improved a little bit going forward? Um, you know, in talking with them, you know, it, it was – I think more about just getting the opportunity to, to play fast. Um, you know, th- we do we did some really good things. We did some complicated things, um, and I think taking some of those things off their off their plate would, would make it easier for them to play fast. And I think that's what they've done. Um, I thought today was a good practice. I thought the guys were dialed in on it. Um, you know, one thing we did pare things down a lot, um, and it's just I think the natural response to it is when. You know, when, when, when there is changes, you know, let's focus in on these little things and, and let's get back to the basics. What does the balance between listening to them and understanding that decisions have to be made about how you're going to utilize them and what they're going to do? I think there is, there is first of all, the most important thing is that you listen to them um, and you hear, you hear exactly what they say and then you respond to it and, and really tell them, hey, these are things that we can do and this is why we're going to do them, um, you know, and just – I think giving them the, the opportunity to have the voice was, was you know, something they wanted. So I, I listened and talked with several of them. Hey, Coach. Can you uh, talk about the hire of Jim Salgado? Yes. Um, Jimmy's the guy did internships with us before in the past. Um, he's a coach I've known for, for quite some time, and <laughs> a couple of times I've tried to hire him. Um, and um, and he ended up in Buffalo. Uh, he was with Sean and, and, and Leslie in that system, which is similar to some of the things that we do. And so when um, when uh, he was at Michigan State most recently, and um, and you know when the season was over, the, you know the word was they were going to change their their head coach. So I reached out to him um, after the season was over to find out what his status was. Uh, he was available, um, and so we um, we we. we Got him, brought him in. He's going to be a uh, basically an in, uh, a um, he's going to come in. He's going to work with the defensive backs, and he's just going to finish the year out for us, and then we'll go from there. And in Buffalo, he kind of developed a reputation having a specialty in the nickel, uh, specifically the nickel spot. Is that something that you plan to employ here? Yes, I think it's it's a you know obviously it's a very important position for us. You know, especially the way we use the nickel, the Buffalo, the guy that we pl- that we put in that position, and so that was the idea behind. A guy like Jimmy, just knowing who he is, and you know, he's a guy that um, most of the guys on the staff know who he is, and so that was a that that made it an easy decision, an easy transition. Hey Ron, some of the players back back here. Um, some of the players said that uh, you know they're excited now to have an opportunity maybe to talk to you a little more and, and have you know maybe some of the times they wouldn't have been talking to you, they'll be talking to you instead of Jack now, obviously. 
Um, how does, is a part of you either excited at all to maybe get some of this one-on-one -on -one time with some of your defensive guys here as you go through this final stretch of the season? Well, I think, you know, getting an opportunity to interact in a different way is exciting. Um, it's been exciting just because it's different. You know, it's, it's a little bit new. Um, and just, you know, having the chance to, to, to spend more time um, and, and not have to worry about something else. Um, this is, this is, this will be, um, this will be a, an interesting challenge. Um, I like the challenge. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I like the way that, again, like I said, I like the way the guys responded today. On offense, uh, Sam's been spreading the ball around to a lot of the different receivers. How do you balance doing that with making sure you feed the guys who need to be fed? Well, that, that I think has a lot to do with, you know, understanding the decision making part of it. And that's what I think is happening with Sam in terms of learning and understanding that more so than anything else. Um, you know, this this is, you know, really our, 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 you know, his first year, our first year as a team in, in this system. Uh, and I, I'd like to believe that we've seen what the potential of it could be as we continue to grow in it and as Sam continues to learn it and the rest of the guys do too as well. Um, you know, the balance of spreading it to, to who needs to have it, I think that that will come even more so as 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 things continue to develop. I mean, it, it, I think EB's done a great job installing this offense and, and you know, trying to find the ways that, that it works best for us. Um, it's not perfect yet. Uh, I don't think it'll ever be perfect. I don't think there's a perfect offense out there. I just think that, you know, as, as you develop and mature in it, I think it can really come together. At least it looks like it has at times. Um, but we got to put it all together as a team. With your defensive responsibilities, are there things that will be on EB's plate Sunday that weren't I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, you know, um, one of the things I've talked with the defensive coaches is that as soon as, as soon as you know, we transition off the field, we need to get together and talk about what needs to be adjusted and then, you know, what the ideas and thoughts can be for the next series as well. And then once we get a chance to communicate all those things, then I can step back into, into you know, that part of it. Um, I will rely on the guys upstairs that, that have helped me with some of the other things and, uh, you know, and try and gather as much information from there. Last two games, especially in Dallas, going up against a real explosive offense, seems like there's a bit more commitment to the run with Miami coming in, a really explosive offense again. Is that something that's part of Eric's evolution? Is that a conversation you guys had to try to work towards complementary football when you're facing these Explosive offense? I believe it is part of Eric's evolution. I really do. I think part of it is just learning and understanding. I mean, you know, it's, again, people have asked me, well, why'd you keep him out there in the Dallas game? Well, he's got to learn this stuff. He's got to grow. And, and part of it is he will take some lumps and he will make some mistakes. And, you know, but being able to finish, and, 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 and I'll tell you this, after the game in the locker room, Sam and I had a great, uh, great opportunity to visit and to spend a little time and. He gets it. He understands it. I mean, it was it was it was great. I mean, I I made a couple of comments, asked a couple of questions, and and his answers were terrific. I mean, he is he's a guy that's growing and developing and 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 really maturing right in front of us as 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 a as a football player as a, as a quarterback in this league. So it's it, it it it's part of the evolution, the growth process, you know. And 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 I know that you know the the thing that's. You, know, you would like is, you know, hey, when you put a new offense in and, and you're a really young guy, you get a chance to really watch more than you do in, as far as playing. But, you know, this is a young guy that's playing and watching and learning and growing, and that'll be all part of his growth uh, and, and evolution as well.
and then just a, a quick follow-up on, on Tyler Larson. Is that uh-huh. vet day or, or something? Yeah, more of, a, more of a rest day than anything else. You know, he's been um, he's been rehabbing it. He's been doing all the things that he needs to keep it strong and, and, and loose. And last week, if you remember, he had, he had the vet day on, uh, on, on uh, Wednesday as well. What did Sam say in the locker room that stuck out to you so much? Just how he took responsibility. Um, to me, it was it was really just. I mean, it, it's you know, it's it's one of those things where he knows that he can be better, and that we can be better. And 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 I thought that was really really a a, a mature thing to talk about. When you're paring down a scheme, do you see the increased play speed in practice or is that something you only see on Sundays? I think it's something you you, you see in you see in, in practice. Um, you know and, and again it, it's it's just one of those things that you, you look at and you say, you know, let, let's 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 pair things back. Let, let's 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 get down to the base fundamentals. I mean, you know, the, the hard part for us more so than anything else this year was, you know, was Defoe getting hurt in the third game of the year. He's a guy that, you know, really when you have a guy back there Playing that position, you know, he has to be a, uh, a guy that's got some experience and stuff. And, you know, that that's tough on everybody. You know, when, when you lose Cody for four weeks and then get him back, um, you know, just last week. I mean, th- those are guys that are part of the communication process that you've developed and built, you know, since OTAs. And, and again, it's just it's good to have those guys out there now um, and have them working and learning and growing. Um, he's still in the rehab program, um, you know, doing his stuff. Uh, again, you know, he still has to go through certain, you know, points that he's got to get to, and, you know, the doctors will evaluate. Thank you, last one. Um, going back to 2018, when you took over play calling with, what, I think it was like four games left, mm-hmm. is there anything you're able to draw from that experience, or is it apples and oranges? It's a little bit of apples and oranges, but, you know, part of it, too, is, you know, you get into a certain uh, rhythm with, with the game, and you get into a certain rhythm with the, the preparation. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we did when I, when I first got going. Um, you know, I, I, I met with the defensive guys separately, individually, and then I met together, met with them as a group. And we talked about a lot of things. Um, and then I talked about the things that I was looking for and what I, what I, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do them. And then, you know, I was going to give them the, the weekend off. But then I told them, I said, look, I need you guys to come in on Saturday, so let's, you know, let's get together, and, um, you know, came in on Saturday, and, and, and they were all prepared, um, they had presentations ready to go, things for, you know, all based off of what we had talked about, so, um, you know, and, and it made that going through and looking at things and deciding and talking about um, a really good process, and that's kind of what I mean about having a rhythm, you know, to, to, to preparation, and so as we started transitioning on uh, Monday, in preparation for uh, Miami, we were able to really just go into this, and everybody knew, you know, their role, and started to present. And it it's been it's been a really good rhythm. Do you like play calling? When it works, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do because it you know it, it you really are engaged, you really are, and 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 it's, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot. I mean, you could see it, you know, when 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 play callers get into a really good rhythm. It happens very quickly, um, and you have you know a very good feel for it, and and you know something that I, I I enjoyed when I was a coordinator, you know um, 
I, I, the thing I really liked was the practices. I really did. I thought practice was really cool. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, that is Mark, or not Mark Schlereth, jeez, Ron Rivera. I was just texting, because uh, Anthony, tomorrow I was texting with uh, the Take Command boys, because tomorrow we're going to have Schlereth on the show, uh, which we'll play here on uh, the Hoffman Show as well. So that uh, that you can look forward to tomorrow. But that was Ron Rivera, obviously, live from uh, Ashburn. A lot of interesting stuff on the play calling, on the defense. But I want to follow up on something that he said about Sam Howell and something that uh, Sam Howell said earlier today about his relationship with Eric Bieniemy. Next, before Clinton Yates joins us at 445, it's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. And always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. You just heard Ron Rivera speak from Ashburn. And in his speaking, he spoke about the growing maturity of Sam Howell. And I'm sure that is true. I'm sure that is the case. However, I think it is always important to remember that Sam Howell has been mature. It is one of the things that stood out in that Dallas game last year and specifically how he handled the aftermath of it. Howell has been this guy, the leader, the mature adult in the room. Uh, not to say there aren't other adults in the room, but like an adult in, in the room for sure the whole time. That doesn't mean he's not learning about the NFL. That doesn't mean that he is not adapting and becoming more mature. He's still a young man. He's not even 24 years old yet. Um, and any uh, anyone that's been around early 20s males knows there is a lot of maturing to do. Um, so there's that. But he is certainly wise and mature beyond his years. And I think it is it is interesting to hear Ron talk about the continued maturation from such a fantastic starting point. Um, I think what is also interesting is what Sam himself said earlier today at the podium. Um, Howell was asked about his communication and his continual growing relationship with Eric Bieniemy and, and how he's grown as a player under EB's tutelage. Here was that answer. Yeah, I mean, I think he's doing a doing a really good job. I think you know lately he's been calling games really, really well, and I think he's starting to get a really good feel for you know how to be successful with the talent that we have here. Um, and I've I just think I've seen him get better and better each and every week. Obviously, us players got to do our job. We got to take better care of the football. We got to execute better on certain situations. But you know, I think he's doing a really good job. You know, he's growing as a as a leader, as an OC throughout the season, as he's done probably his whole career. Uh, but he's just gotten better every single week, and he, he continues to work so hard, so it's fun to play for him. I mean, a pro's pro of an answer. Uh, I don't know whether it is how attuned Sam is to the outside noise, but he kind of hits on and pushes back on some of the popular talking points. Um, he takes onus on himself as a player, but I think in underneath that is like an undeniable truth that Sam has continued to grow as a player. It doesn't always show up on a linear basis week to week, but there are areas where certainly – he is a better player now than he was earlier in the year. And I do think as the year is gone, even though it's not to the extent that I would necessarily like to see it and some of the um, some of the holes in the play calling and where the ball goes and the run pass splits and the predictability of certain times are things that um, I think some of us have been on for a long time at this point. But it, EB has gotten better. And it's not that he's responding to criticism, that he's listening to the radio and he's like, oh, well, I wonder what – what everybody that talks for a living thinks, what he's busy doing. No, it's like we see it, and it's a lot easier to see without the pressure uh, that you have of doing it, being in the game. Um, and he watches the tape and sees the same thing, and maybe some of us do know what we're talking about when, he, when we analyze this sport, at least a little bit. Um, on a larger 
point, though, I think that the the relationship and the communication with Eric is something that is in the spotlight between he and Sam, but also between all players. And Sam talked about that this morning. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that's that's gotten better every single week. I think he's, he learns more about me and I learn more about him every single week as we kind of go through this thing. And, and really throughout ever since the beginning of this thing, he's always asked for my feedback and input. And he's always been very respective, respective, like he's always respected my opinion as far as, you know, if it's something I do like, something I don't like. So he's been very good about stuff like that. And so it's it's fun to play for a coach that values your opinion. Um, but like going in every game, we always talk about every single call that's on the call sheet, whether I like it, whether I don't like it, what situation I like it in. Um, and, and he and he respects my opinion. Um, and as a quarterback, that's all you can want. Assuming that Sam is telling the truth there, I would, I would say that is unsurprising um, because that's what coordinators do in this league. Everything is about the quarterback and what can the quarterback do? What does the quarterback want to do? One thing that I actually make some, or one thing that I think actually makes someone like Kyle Shanahan special is he will have those conversations and sometimes tell the quarterback to suck it up and do it his way anyway. Um, because, for instance, as this story has now been told dozens of times on Take Command, um, but Logan tells the story of, of you know, and he heard this secondhand because when Logan was in Atlanta with Matt Ryan, Sarkeesian was the OC. Kyle had left. He, he Logan went there after the, the Super Bowl year, but he knows Matt obviously very well, and he knows Kyle very well, and knows a bunch of people that were there for that year. And basically, there were times where Kyle told like Matt would be like, no, take that out. I don't like that play. And Kyle would be like, no, we're leaving it in and you're going to run it because I know it's going to work. And I need you to be more comfortable doing some things that are uncomfortable and get because, because it's going to make you better. And that push to a great player and Matt Ryan turned him to an elite player. Like that was his MVP season. It was the best he ever played. And, but there still is a conversation it still is a point of meeting you where you are to get you where you want to be. And there's got to be a, an understanding of how you communicate with certain people, which gets into some very, it's not even nerdy. Like it just gets into some levels of gray and nuance that a lot of people don't want to hear and especially don't want to hear right now because they're in the middle of a losing season. And the idea that um, there could be different ways of doing things that are different for different people or Anything that's not just like hard ass football coachy stuff doesn't really satisfy. Like everyone just needs to be tougher and play better. It's like, okay, what is that? Like, is that a, that's not really how you get things done? Walking into a room and being mad ain't gonna do things. Um, but there's there's like neurological and psychological terminology for this that goes into the art of coaching. And you know, something like a window of tolerance is is a term that's used in neurology spaces. And it's the ability for people to receive information. And like for Kyle and Matt Ryan, like Matt Ryan was a pretty abrasive communicator. And he'd be the first one to tell you that. He'd just be like, this is what it is. And he could be coached that way. He could be coached really hard because he could actually accept the information. That's a very specific way or a very specific thing to Matt Ryan. And I think there is a skill set uh, of and a mindset for certain people that doesn't really matter how you tell them something. They can they can do it. But my question would be, if you're a coach, is like, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice about your own communication style, about your own thoughts and beliefs to meet your players where they are? If suddenly you inherited a group that actually learned best by turning every coaching point into a musical theater number, would you get up and sing? 
Like, I know that's a crazy scenario, and it's obviously not one that's realistic, but, like, how willing are you to be? And as we hear stuff with Sam and that maturity and, like, his relationship with EB, I actually think Sam and EB are a good fit in terms of the communication stuff because I, I think Sam is used to that. It's how he grew up, got a dad who's a coach, all that kind of stuff. And I think there are other players who come from different backgrounds or different coaching styles or had different coaches growing up or whatever that or are used to doing things because they're veterans in the league that have played in other places and had success or young guys that don't really know what it's like to be in the league yet and, and had a certain style of college coaches that some of what Eric did didn't land. And that's why you're starting to hear some of the rumblings about, you know, oh, he's too hard on players here. Or they didn't like that thing. And I, and I think and it's easy to make this statement now because I am a talk radio guy sitting in my talk radio chair talking into my talk radio microphone with the benefit of hindsight. But I wonder if they could have gotten more out of this season if instead of Eric coming in and changing everything and Ron empowering him to change everything because I think Ron is an important figure here that doesn't get to be let off the hook for this that if they had found more ways to compromise, to meet people where they were, instead of just being like, we're changing everything, could you have found a way to meet somewhere in the middle to actually bring more people to where you wanted to go in the end? And that's a question, like that is a true question. That is not me saying I know for a fact because I don't know enough about what everyone's mad about or what, what didn't work. Like there's too much behind the scenes. But I would bet... Uh, a decent amount of, of, of cash that there were people that feel like they got left behind because Eric came in and was just like, we do it this way now. And even if your way works, if you charge ahead and say, you better come my way or the highway, you better come with me. If you turn around at your destination and there's nobody with you, doesn't matter how right your methods were. You don't have anybody with you. And I feel like that's something that may have happened this year with this team. That at the end of the day, while EB might have been right about all these things that worked for him in Kansas City, he got a group of players and, by the way, a group of coaches uh, because there was some changeover but not full changeover in the staff that were used to doing things other ways, some of which worked, some, some of which weren't the reason that this team was losing. And instead of being like, no, you guys are comfortable, I'll be the one to adjust, it was all EB's way on the offense. And I think that's on Ron as much as anyone to have not done more translating, more compromising, more smoothing of the operation so that if they had to get from one side of the bridge, from, from the wherever they were to the enemy, hey, let's win side of the bridge, that a bunch of people didn't, didn't not make the journey across. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. When we get back, uh, gear change. Clinton Yates joins us. Going to talk about the NBA's in-season tournament, which caused some nice chaos in the league last night. Is this thing working? And what does it even mean to be working? What's next? It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And uh, yesterday, uh, I got a text from my good friend Clinton Yates, and uh, I got distracted by it because that's what happens to me. And then, uh, and then I realized that the text in the commercial break after uh, I received it was that he was he was listening to the show, and we were talking about two chains and the interview that he did with him, and talking about a bunch of other stuff. And now we get to talk about it with him because it's Wednesday, and Clinton joins the show on Wednesdays. What's up? <laughs> What's up, man? You know, it was 
Thanksgiving five years ago. This would have been pre-pandemic when I was down there hanging out with James at his uh, charity basketball tournament that he holds at his old high school, North Clayton High School. And I tell people all the time, if you want to know where the epicenter of black culture comes in, basketball camp is where it happens. It was one of the most fun three days I've had, period, in a long time, seeing him and what he does to get out to the community and give back. And he's a part owner of the uh, College Park uh, Skyhawks, you know, the G League affiliate of the Hawks. So the guy's a big basketball guy, played four year, uh, played at Alabama State, graduated from HBCU. Dude loves ball. So, you know, I heard you mention that he's going to be playing after the Wizards game. Yeah. That's easily the biggest part of the entertainment card that evening. No question that. Absolutely. Like, without question. I, as I said yesterday, I'm very surprised he's doing it. Because I feel like he yeah. could sell tickets at Capital One Arena. He's like, no, I'm going to come watch a ball game and then I'm going to perform. Right. I mean, you know, it's easier for him probably that way. But, like, that is, again, a great ticket. And, like, honestly, those post-game concerts are, like, the best thing happening in that building these days between all of the teams playing and who's actually performing. Yeah. Um, we can talk <laughs> about the saying. Wizards. And the hey, hey, they won on Monday. All they had to do was play the Pistons. Huh? Huh? Yeah. I mean, I got listen. Every single night, I get a Jordan Poole update, and it's not better every other night. It is a replay of him doing something ridiculous, and to think that he's in like top ten bonehead wizards of all time already is just mind-bogglingly awesome. But you know, God bless him. We'll see where it turns out. That, my friend, is a list. That is oh, <laughs> what a. Mm, chef's kiss list that is uh speaking of good nba ball though um the nba's in-season tournament uh is is now in its uh i guess the the knockout phase uh the tournament phase is over but it was pretty fascinating i didn't get a chance to watch a ton of stuff last night because uh, it's actually both of our significant others birthdays yesterday so we were otherwise occupied but like catching up on stuff today it seemed like a ton of people were into it a ton of people that normally wouldn't watch a tuesday night nba slate were like yeah i'm tuned in you got the wacky bit uh between boston and chicago where the the celtics are intentionally fouling andre drummond up 30 because they're concerned about point differential and as two guys who love soccer and like understand what a knockout tournament style is when you're not just concerned about your game but you're concerned about other games as well like i kind of think the nba's pulled this off in a pretty nice way uh but i'm also open uh, to other other opinions. So how, how do you think this, this first edition of the in-season tournament is gone? They've got something here, Gregory. And I don't know that what it is is something that I care about or like, but it's certainly not something that I have a problem with, and it's certainly not something that I'm going to turn away from. Now, between the obvious branding of, oh, I know when they're playing one of these tournament games because the court is all goofy, which I actually enjoy as from a branding standpoint, too, oh, we're doing different things at the ends of games now. It's not just the same garbage time recycled seven minutes that we see in every other NBA game every other night. At that very level alone, I think they've got the right thing going. The other thing, too, though, is that it's made me think about that. Like, what are we really looking for in an NBA product in terms of the type of basketball? You got guys talking about how they don't want to run up the score at the end of games because they have to respect their opponents. But, like, I'm sorry, what? Like, you're playing professional basketball out here. Like, since when did we have a problem giving people the beat down? Like, it's a very interesting thing that thing has made us think about what the competitive balance is that we actually want at the highest level to be. And the fact that this tournament mixes it up a little, it's something. You know what I mean? It's making me think, and that's, that's not bad. 
No, definitely not. Um, I, I think that's like, okay, next year. Cause I, I do think this thing will evolve for, I mean, maybe it's every year. Uh, maybe every right. year there's, there's a different tweak or whatever on it, but like, obviously there's going to be some significant change year one to year two, as they figure out what big parts of this worked and what big parts could take on some improvement. So like, what's the big thing that's worked? Like you, you said, you like the course, is it the format? Like what, what are the things yeah. that are like got to keep this? I think what's worked is the fact that people are understanding that the money is an actual incentive. People are talking about guys down the roster that could benefit from the actual cash making a difference in their lives because not everybody has these ridiculous guaranteed contracts. And to that point, Craig, I would go so far as to, if we're really going to try to make this a thing, I would change it far more drastically than people realize. Make it a tournament for guys that are not, making gazillions of dollars like that are on NBA rosters. There's a world in which you can say, you know what? You get an all-star or whatever, and you get to call up G League guys. And so that you can get a look at rosters from a depth standpoint. Now, to that point, I would also have to take it out of, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, out of the regular rotation of what are regular season games from a counting standpoint. That's a different discussion. But at the same time, you could say, if every team has to do this, it tests your depth. Why is this something that we shouldn't consider part of the regular season? I would really make this a developmental thing within the NBA itself without sort of making a mockery of it because why not? Guys can play, guys can play. And if it's worth something, you get to see what they're made of. This year it's been good. I would take it a step farther next year and maybe even look at that as something three to four years down the line. That's an Definitely an interesting thought. I don't know if I like it because at the end of the day, like they're wearing the jersey. And like if they're wearing the jersey, I want the team. I don't want the developmental okay. team. You know, if I want to go watch okay. a developmental game, like I'll go to the ESA and I'll watch the I'll right. watch the go. But what I'm what I'm saying is this is that like when people think about how these European soccer tournaments work, like that's what they're there for. Like this is not Champions League. When you think of things like the Carlin Cup or whatever sponsor is going from it there. They were used for other things. Yeah, they were the same team, but it was an idea so that you could get to see other players. Like, it wasn't just, oh, we're playing these guys the same thing over and over and over again. Like, there was a purpose to that that was slightly different. And what I'm saying is that, like, all right, if I'm going to make sure that there's a financial incentive for guys, I, I don't mind seeing guys that are playing for the cash right in front of our faces, playing like the rent do, as they say. It's just a different element. And if we're going to look at the totality of the league, there's something in between what we have now and what – we could be doing that. I think we're still trying to get to. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And I think that they're like, as you said, though, if you're going to do that, then you have to take it out of the regular season and that's right. That's fine. Um, it just adds yeah. extra stuff uh, for, for the league to do logistics wise, but Hey, that's their job, not ours. Um, your colleague on around Hello. the horn, Kevin Clark had an idea that I love. Did you, did you catch uh, Kevin's idea for the in season tournament? I did not. So he put this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago uh, during like the first round or the second round of games. And I think this is brilliant. He said, why don't we take these games out of the NBA arenas and play them at like historic venues within these cities? So like the easiest yeah. one is, you know, in Indiana, instead of playing at whatever they call the field house now in downtown Indy, you go play at Hinkle. You know, you're, you're playing sure. at the Palestra in Philly. Like, what do you what do you think of that idea? And, and from a D.C. standpoint, where would you play? Uh, huh, that's a good question. I mean, I probably honestly play in Baltimore from a DC standpoint, yeah. you know, shout out to the old bullets. I like that idea a lot. Um, I think that's kind of a different thing than what the tournament is supposed to be doing. I would almost rather see that kind of anyway. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's something that each team does just 
as a matter of course. But, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, listen, the cool thing about basketball is that you can play it in a lot of different places. For the NBA to try to latch on to that idea, not dissimilar to say, I don't know, but the Major League, what Major League Baseball is doing with the Field of Dreams and these Rickwood Field games and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes total sense to me on a lot of levels. I mean, I would, I would watch an NBA game played outdoors, but now we're moving into conversations people don't want to have because of different things. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Kevin Clark, how about that? All right. How about that? Uh, right. Point for him from right. Reali, uh, you know, proxy points because yeah. he brought up a good idea yeah. that we could use on our show. Uh, Clinton Yates with us. Of course, you can watch him on Around the Horn on ESPN. Check out ESPN Daily, uh, the podcast as well. It also just start, strikes this bigger chord um, in, in that side of the conversation of like actually trying to accomplish here. And, yeah. you know, I think, again, going back to like the soccer world or like the NFL deals with this at times where it just feels like they're pounding us all for money. And sports is also supposed to be this community thing. And those two ideas are often at extreme conflict. And I actually think like the beauty of that idea is that it takes this like small town community feel to something that is a global brand and brings it back to the community level, which is what we all love about sports. And it's a way to kind of do it authentically without lying to us, but also still keep your behemoth brand. Cause like you both want to, yeah. be, you want to be small enough that people feel like they can reach out and touch you, but you want to be big enough that you are a big ginormous, ginormous global behemoth. No, you're not wrong about that. But the thing is the NBA at this stage is so wildly disconnected from that in terms of the salt of the earth brand of American that I wouldn't want anybody to be in a position where I don't want to say something goes wrong where it just kind of feels phony, you know, and that's why you've got to be careful with things like that. There was an element of that at the Field of Dreams game. Do not get it twisted. You may have built a movie set in the middle of cornfields in order for a regular season baseball game to be played. Some people in town were kind of like, I don't know. I don't like it. You know what I mean? And so that's what the balance is from a cultural standpoint that the NBA has to figure out. When you ask, what do we want out about this? What do we want out of this? I have no idea. You know, I would ask the people that are getting something out of this, what more do they want in terms of the NBA cup or whatever it is? So I'm looking at it. I'm not going to act like I'm understanding the tournament format game to game and watching the clock, but I can tell that these basketball games are operating under a different kind of lens. And that's kind of cool for what it is. No doubt. And, uh, you know, Adam Silver's probably thrilled that we just did 11 minutes uh, in the middle of football season on NBA stuff. Uh, and the right. Wizards are three and 14. Like, at right. the end of the and day, like, the, the, that's kind of what it is. It's an attention market. I agree. And, you know, with the league that's got all sorts of other problems with humans, he's gotten a little lucky that this hasn't been a complete dud in terms of a competitive balance. That is true as well. Clint Yates, read him, ESPN.com and Anscape. Watch him around the horn. Listen to him, ESPN Daily. Uh, safe travel, sir. I know you're on the way to the airport. Thank you very much for your time, and we will talk to you next week. I appreciate you. I'll be on TV on Friday, so I'll see you on the air, kiddos. Hey, this is DA, and you're listening to The Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.